0: welcome back to 444.com, It's the most accurate podcast alongside John Paulson I'm Anthony Stalter. JP we're uh, we're getting in a little bit of a groove now this is
1: two weeks in a row how you doing I'm not doing bad uh, things are noticeably quieter at your end so that's great uh, we're recording at night <laughs> um, but so yeah. I, I think uh, everybody's gonna enjoy this uh, a little bit better I think this week
0: yeah yeah I I think I'm gonna enjoy it a lot better, John. To be honest with you, so I'm not like shh in my kids, which I feel bad about, right? Like they're they're just being kids. They have they're three and two. They they don't understand that daddy's got to do a fantasy football podcast, right? So, <laughs> no clue. No I think clue. I'll
1: yeah, I think I'll enjoy that a little bit better. Tell us about the music, and then we'll dive into the uh, meat and potatoes of the pod. Yeah, I really like this track. It's uh, called "Come On Out" by uh, the Airborne Toxic Event, and it's off their latest album, uh, Hollywood Park. It's the fourth track. Off of that, I put it on the Most Accurate Podcast playlist, which you can find on Spotify. If you can't find it there by a search, you can go to any of the podcast uh, posts over uh, on the website, and there's a link to it there.
0: We got a very cool promotion that I mentioned last week. Subscribe to 4 for 4 by May 31st, and you'll automatically be entered to win an autographed Amari Cooper jersey. All early bird pricing is still in effect at 444.com. That's the number four, F-O-R, the number four.com. So again, subscribe to four for four by May 31st. And right now we're recording this podcast on Wednesday night, May 27th. So if you're listening now, maybe you're listening on the 28th, realize that by May 31st, if you subscribe to 4, for 4 you'll automatically be entered to win an autographed Amari Cooper jersey, early bird pricing still in effect there. Today we're going to discuss early running back projections with John. Last week we covered the rookie backs in depth, so we'll be focused on the veterans this time around. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast as well if you want to go back and listen to anything that we've done. But most recently it's been John and I discussing the quarterbacks and some of the rookie backs uh, that you know, that was in last week's podcast. So, John, I'm just going to go down the your rankings. I'm going to ask you questions as we go. When you hear hear me say, you know, he's a few spots high or low on a player, I'm referring to the general consensus rankings, rankings at Fantasy Pros. And if you want to go to 444.com and kind of follow along the, the rankings, all you have to do is go to 444.com and then the rankings. And then if you go to draft, that's that's the tab we're using uh today to discuss john's ranking so let's start off with the top 10 i'll run through it quickly you got christian mccaffrey you've got dalvin cook ezekiel elliott saquon barkley derrick henry alvin kamara joe mixon kenyon drake aaron jones miles sanders those are your top 10. first seven through mixon seem really solid in terms of workload john any concerns with drake jones or sanders Rumor has it that the Eagles are, are looking to add a running back. I, I know they've been interested in Devontae Freeman, and I believe they signed Carlos Hyde. Correct?
1: Uh, Carlos Hyde actually went to Seattle. Seattle, that's right. Uh, so that Thank actually helps Sanders a little bit because it looked like it sounded like Hyde was going to be the the primary add there for Philly. Um, I just want to mention that these are half PPR rankings, and that's when we when we talk on the pod. Now that's what we're going to go with because. Uh, It'll work for both PPR somewhat and standard somewhat. And uh, there's a lot of leagues out there now that are half PPR. And that's also the default ranking for the accuracy over at Fantasy Pro. So that's what we're going with uh, starting actually last year. So um, this group, uh, as you mentioned, through Mixon, I think Mixon, I mean, Mixon uh, has a lot of upside there with the Cincinnati offense hopefully being quite a bit better with Joe Burrow, at quarterback, A.J. Greenback. I mean, that should just be a better offense in general. Um, And then you get into Drake, who I think – I mean, I like him a lot. I wrote an article, um, Is Canyon Drake a Fantasy RB1 in 2020? Uh, If you need to be convinced. Um, Hugely productive down the stretch last year. Um, Gave him a lot of touches, and that was with David Johnson. Fairly healthy down the stretch. Um, and that was a really productive, uh, offense for running backs prior to Drake's arrival. If you, if you took the top running back for the first, uh, eight weeks in Arizona, um, they would have combined, you know, chase Edmonds had a big game or two and uh, David Johnson had some good games. They would have combined to be the fantasy RB five at that point in the season when they traded for Drake. And then he, he finished the season as, uh, with a stretch where he was RB four um, over an eight game stretch, 814 total yards in that stretch. So, uh, I really like Drake. I think he's a really solid pick at the end of the first round. Um, you know, the only concern with him is that he hasn't been a bell cow for long. Um, but in 20 games where he has, um, seen at least 10 carries, he's averaged 18.5 touches, uh, 71 rushing yards, uh, 0.6 rushing touchdowns, 26.5 receiving yards, uh, also caught a touchdown uh, for uh, 15.4 half PPR fantasy points per game, so he's done it, and that was also with some games in Miami. Um, so I really like Drake. Uh, Aaron Jones, I moved him down a tad today. Uh, I realize there's some concerns with the with the Packers signing Dylan, um, but I, I really think that Jones is still going to be the bell cow there. I, I, you know they'll probably try to work Jamal Williams and, and Dylan in some, but Jones is significantly better more explosive than both and had such a good year last year that they're probably gonna just run, you know, you know, run him into the ground if they're not planning on signing him after after this season. And then Sanders, yeah, the the one concern with him is I like him where, you know, with given the, the depth chart right now with Boston Scott as the primary backup, um, I like him where he is as a low end RB one now. And if they sign somebody like uh LeShawn McCoy, uh that could be problematic for for Sanders uh workload and the steadiness of it you know you're looking for you know guys in this range to be getting 18 20 touches a game and uh, maybe if they add McCoy who I think rushed for 4.5 yards per carry last year in Kansas City uh still has some tread on the tires um might uh, put a dent into his touches there in, in Philly let's go over the
0: next five you've got Josh Jacobs excellent rookie year with the Raiders Nick Chubb is 12th austin eckler todd gurley who signed with the falcons and then chris carson You're four spots low on chubb what's the concern
1: there yeah he's somebody i'm sort of wrestling with in my rankings because uh you know there was a noticeable drop in his fantasy points um once uh kareem hunt returned it went from uh, 17.4 down to 12.3 um looking a little deeper at it 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 was mainly a drop in receptions, uh, 3.1 to 1.4 per game. His targets dropped from 4.0 to 2.3. And it looked like he had some bad luck uh, touchdown-wise. Um, his t- overall touches dropped from 22.4 to 19.4 per game once Hunt returned. So 19.4 per game is fine. Uh, so f- from that aspect, I, I don't, I'm not too worried about him. But in the red zone last year, 25 of the 40, 48 uh, red zone touches that the team had in the first eight weeks. Uh, he had five inside the five yard line, uh, scored a few times, uh, over the last eight weeks, he had 26 of the team's t- 49 red zone touches in the final eight games. So the, the share was about the same. Um, but he really struggled scoring touchdowns. He didn't uh, do much, uh, inside the five. So, um, his touchdowns should, should bounce back. Uh, the, the, the kind of the wild card here is that they, you know, Kevin Stefanski's in it as the head coach. Um, he was really run heavy in Minnesota, as we've discussed before. Um, that might have been due somewhat to Mike Zimmer saying you must be run heavy. So I'm interested to see what sort of pass run split he ends up having. Uh, but we're expecting a run heavy offense, which is good for Chubb. Um, so, he, you know, in the, in the middle of the second round, I'd be fine taking Chubb, I think, you know, digging deeper into these numbers. I just get a little nervous when there's somebody as talented as Kareem Hunt uh, in that number two spot on the depth chart.
0: Let's talk about Austin Eckler because he's going to be top of mind for a lot of fantasy owners after what he did last year. Is he a fantasy RB1 in your eyes?
1: You know, he was a top five uh, PPR back last year. Um, I think the, the question you have, they didn't do a whole lot at the running back position. They drafted Joshua Kelly in the fourth round. That's not a whole lot of draft, draft capital to use. I mean, Kelly uh, is a bigger back and has – um, a nice athletic profile. Uh, Kevin Zuttluke's RB model, RB success model, has him at a 32% chance of having a, a top uh, 24 season within his first three seasons. Um, Justin Jackson's still there. Uh, I don't think they're going to give Eckler 25, 30 touches a game, but uh, he should still, you know, be good for 16 to 20, you know, high, uh, high yield touches. You know, a lot of receptions. Uh, As well, the other wild card with him is that they change quarterbacks from Philip Rivers to Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert and uh, not clear, uh, you know, how much Tyrod is going to throw. Let's assume it's Tyrod to start the season, how much he's going to throw to his running backs. Probably something you need to look at. uh, Looking back to his days in Buffalo, um, you know, Rivers very much likes to throw to the running backs. Um, so that's that's the one wild card with Eckler. But I think he's, a, I think he's like a low-end fantasy RB1.
0: You know, we mentioned Carlos Hyde. I know that the Eagles were interested in it at some point. Like you noted, he did sign with Seattle. Does his decision or does Seattle's decision to sign Carlos Hyde worry you at all about Chris Carson?
1: Uh, I don't think so. I think the Hyde signing was more about Rashad Penny's knee. Uh, he... Uh, I believe he tore his ACL late in December or middle of December. Uh, So very late season injury uh, usually takes a year uh, to get fully back up to speed. They've been already been talking about him potentially starting the season on pop, not being ready to practice in in August. So I think they're looking for a running back to uh, backup Chris Carson. I think that's Carlos Hyde. I think Chris Carson has about the same value uh, that he had last year. And that was a, you know, pretty high end RB two for most of the season. All right, let's talk
0: about the next five. Now you've got Jonathan Taylor, the rookie, David Johnson, who was part of that ridiculously stupid Bill O'Brien must-be drunk trade uh, to the Houston Texans. You got Leonard Fournette, Gordon Vaughn from Tampa. You're a bit low on Fournette, and again, when we're talking about being low or high, we're comparing John's rankings of these running backs compared to Fantasy Pros. So you're you're a bit low on Leonard Fournette. What's the concern for you there?
1: Well, you look at his career uh, or his uh, career stats, and he went from uh, 48 targets as a rookie to 26 targets as a sophomore, and then 100 targets last year, and that's what gave him you know 76 catches, 522 yards. Uh, That's what gave him that you know low end RB one value that he had last year. You know he had 265 carries for 1152 yards, uh, not. You know, it was okay, 4.3 yards per carry, only three touchdowns. Um, So he could see, you know, a bounce back in his touchdowns a little bit, but I'm really concerned about his value uh, in the receiving game when they added, after they added uh, Chris Thompson, uh, who is a very, very good receiving back uh, from Washington, uh, reunited with Jay Gruden, who's now the offensive coordinator um, for the the, uh, Jaguars. So I, I don't see Fournette playing as much on third downs uh, as he did last year, and, you know, maybe his targets get cut in half, and that would, uh, you know, severely reduce his uh, week-to-week value uh, as part of the receiving game, and that's going to knock him down into the lower uh, RB2 ranks. This
0: Denver backfield is interesting. We'd mentioned that Melvin Gordon was part of this next group when you're looking at the running back, so so 16-20. to 20. You got Melvin Gordon, who signed from the Chargers, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman. How do you view this backfield shaking out in Denver?
1: Yeah, I don't really, from a you know real real world standpoint, I don't really like the signing of Melvin Gordon when you have Philip Lindsay uh, producing uh, for you. Obviously, Royce Freeman was a little disappointing last year, 3.8 yards per carry, only 496 yards rushing on 132 yards or 132 carries. But maybe you just draft a you know draft a running back. Why are you spending eight million uh, a year on Melvin Gordon? Right. So, but they've already done it. That's beyond you know beside the point at this point. Um, so I think what what they want to probably do is they don't you don't give somebody that much money uh, and have him really sharing you know in a, in a committee. I think it's going to be more you know Gordon with the bell cow role, the lead back role, and Lindsay in that Freeman role from last year. So I could see uh you know Lindsay getting the 130 or 140 carries uh maybe 40 receptions and then melvin gordon getting most of Lindsay's role which was the you know 224 carries uh 35 receptions so i, I, I basically think freeman's gonna you know go and end up like Devonte booker uh and and ride the pine um and he's gonna have to hope for an injury to gordon or Lindsay if he wants to play um, or have them fall completely on their face, and they're both pretty good backs, so they probably won't. So I think uh, you know Gordon is looking like a mid to late third round pick. Um, Lindsey, um, he's really falling in drafts. I mean, in FFPC, which is tight end premium, so he fell even further. He was still around in the early early eleventh round. Uh, he certainly has a lot of upside as a uh, attrition play um, if you expect Gordon to, to miss some games, and he's not. He hasn't been the most durable guy, so um, I, I think it's going to be a de- definite RB one, RB two pecking order there between those two.
0: Here's to the next five. You've got DeAndre Swift, the rookie for Detroit. James Conner, Clyde Edwards-Helaire from Kansas City, or, or from LSU. We went to Kansas City as the last pick in the first round. Mark Ingram, and then Le'Veon Bell. When you look at this group, let's talk specifically about. You know Edwards, Alaire, and then Damian Williams. We talked about those those two quite a bit last week. So obviously, you don't think he's going to be the bell cow back right away. Let's talk about the veterans. Let's talk about Connor Ingram and Bell. Optimistic or pessimistic about these three? You're five five spots higher on Connor, but a few spots low on Mark Ingram.
1: Yeah, I think Connor um, had a pretty good uh, off season. Um, they did draft Anthony McFarland at four point four four. 40-yard dash, so four for four there. Uh, You know, a pretty good speed score. Um, So that's a little bit worrisome. I guess, you know, this looks like a pretty deep draft for for running back. I don't know if you have anything to say about McFarland's college, uh, you know, ability in college in in Maryland. There's tape in Maryland. But um, it it seems like they're preparing for Connor to be the lead back again this year. And if he starts to to flounder, um, then, uh, you know, McFarland and maybe Benny Snell would, would get a chance. Uh, to play, but I think this offense is going to be a lot better because you have Ben Roethlisberger back at quarterback, and I think Con- it's going to make Connor look a lot better. Uh, so I think he's a little bit undervalued in drafts right now. Um, Le'Veon Bell, I'm down on uh, due to the Frank Gore signing. I think that, that just is a signal uh, that Bell's workload is going to be trimmed back. He's, he's always good for 100, to 150 carries. Uh, Gore is. So, um, you know, Bell's days probably of having 20 plus carries or 20 plus uh, touches per game are probably over. Uh, Mark Ingram is interesting due to the whole uh, J.K. Dobbins uh, uh, draft pick. Uh, Ingram had a great year last year, low-end RB1 numbers, I believe. Um, hugely productive in that offense. Uh, you know That running attack was the best in the league. And I think they're probably going to just ease Dob- Dobbins in, especially with the weird offseason we're having. Uh, and just kind of run Ingram into the ground, and then you know let him walk next year. I think he's in his last year as his contract, or could get cut or whatever last year. But next year, but um, I think they're just going to take a one look at him as a one-year guy, let him carry the load, and then get Dobbins ready to go for next year.
0: You had asked me about Anthony McFarland Jr. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I remember some comps to Dalvin Cook coming out of Maryland, and I just don't see it. I, I think Dalvin Cook is uh, a lot sturdier. I think he's He's more of a back that can take take the pounding and be more of a bell cow. I think when you're looking at McFarland, he is a clear change of pace kind of home run hitter. He's only 5'8", at two o two o eight, but I just I don't see him being a guy that's gonna that's gonna get a lot of carries early on. He had some fumbling problems while at Maryland. He he uh, he had some problems with drops as well. So I don't think this is gonna be somebody that takes you know um that takes off as a rookie but I also like to I don't know and and this might be a question for you too John I don't know about you but when I I tend to cheat a little bit like when when a team like Pittsburgh drafts you it, it I don't care what round it is when when Pittsburgh finds you it's a little bit different or a lot different than if Cleveland finds you you know um, I just have a tendency <laughs> well, to to reevaluate when a, when a when a when a player lands with a good team. I remember how I felt about McFarland when he goes to Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh scouts took a look, long look at you. I'm like, okay, maybe I need to reevaluate. But that was my honest honest opinion of him coming out of Maryland.
1: Yeah, I think Pittsburgh is well known for finding diamonds in the rough at the wide receiver position for sure. And I think that sort of scouting ability can translate to other positions. For so sure. I, I think you're right to to give them a little extra credence when they go to a good team like that. Yeah,
0: Antonio Brown is crazy, right? I mean, let's, let's say it. <laughs> but but six-round pick out of Central Michigan, that's my alma mater. I mean, he, he was fantastic. James Conner not not as good last year as he was two years ago, but Pittsburgh just, they have a knack. I think that's, you know, New England has a knack of finding players. Uh, your Green Bay Packers, there's a knack there for finding guys. It doesn't matter what, what round it is and how bad they piss off Aaron Rodgers, they find they find <laughs> gems. So there's just certain teams that when they draft somebody that I wasn't necessarily high on, I'm like, okay, well, let me reevaluate well.
1: You could probably back off the Packers, you know, with Gutenkist uh, with his last few drafts. I'm not too sure that they're going to be finding too many diamonds in the rough in the next few years. So that's my opinion on that.
0: In a in a separate in a separate uh, podcast, I'd love to pick your brain on your your thoughts on Jordan Love, but we'll we'll save him. Just just by your groan, I know where that's going to go. Let's, but we'll stick with the running backs. We'll stick with your rankings, John. In the twenty six to thirty range, we've got Cam Akers, who's a, another rookie, David Montgomery, Raheem Mozart, De- Devin Singletary from Buffalo, and then you got Sony Michelle, who is really the kind of the lost back. I mean, New England. New England took him in the first round a couple of years ago. What do you make of this group?
1: Uh, looking at it, um, with their names listed like that, I'm thinking maybe Singletary should be a couple spots higher. I think I'd rather have him than a David Montgomery or Raheem Mostert. I do think that Mostert um, is, the, is the most interesting um, player in this group because of the wide range of likely outcomes for him. Um, He, you know, kind of started the season as the third guy in the totem pole in in San Francisco. And then I'm just looking at his game log here, Um, you know, starting with the the Packers, six carries, 45 yards and a touchdown against them and a catch for uh, 22 yards. Then uh, against Baltimore, he had 19 carries for 146 yards, a touchdown, a couple catches against them. Uh, then he had 10 for 69 and a touchdown against the Saints, who are like one of the best rush defenses in the league along with the with the Ravens. So just tearing up uh, good run defenses, uh, 2 for 40 and a touchdown in the receiving game against uh, New Orleans. Then uh, against your Falcons, 14 for 54 and a touchdown, uh, kind of lower on the yards per carry that, that week. Yeah, Falcons. Yeah, way to go, Falcons. <laughs> uh, 11 for 53 and a touchdown against the Rams. I don't know if you noticed that I'm saying touchdown every – time i'm talking about every game 10 for 50, 57 and two touchdowns against seattle in week 17 uh, then he finally had kind of a bad game i guess it was it wasn't wasn't great but the yards per carry were pretty good against minnesota in the playoffs 12 for 58 uh, against the packers 29 for 220 and four touchdowns if you remember that game uh nfc championship game just running rough shot over my packers uh, and then against kansas city 12 for 58 and a touchdown Another catch for him there. So, you know, down the stretch had at least 10 carries um, in eight straight games. Um, I think the the reason he's available where he's going, which is kind of like the fourth, fifth round range that I've seen him go, um, is because, you know, he just kind of come, came out of nowhere last year. Uh, they still have Tevin Coleman and uh, Derek McKinnon uh, and that Jeff Wilson guy who sometimes uh, – <laughs> Shows scores up. touchdowns yeah. for him. He, he, well, he uh, he he vultures touchdowns basically uh, when he's active. Um, so you're kind of hoping for if you're most your your owners, you're try, kind of hoping that Wilson is not active on game day because um, he's then it's between him and Coleman probably getting the goal line carries. Uh, but huge upside if they decide to commit to him. Um, they've been kind of going with a hot hand, uh, and if he can continue to do it, I mean, 5.64 yards per carry last year, 6.34 yards per carry in the playoffs. Um, you'd like to see more receptions, more consistent role in the receiving game, but they're, they're going to rotate their backs. They're going to rotate Coleman in and McKinnon was the guy that they wanted two years ago to fill the number one role there. And he, you know, maybe he'll be finally healthy this year. And he's a very talented athlete, um, that used to play for the, uh, the Vikings. So, um, That's the concern. It's just not going to be a consistent, consistent, reliable source of fantasy points. And I like him more probably in best ball because you can just – enjoy his good games and and not have to worry about when you start him and when you don't start him because he's going to have some of those surprise games just the way that the, the ebbs and flows in that at San Francisco backfield what
0: about this group from 31 to 35 looks like there's some upside here with Kareem Hunt who you'd mentioned earlier in the podcast Damian Williams is in this group Latavius Murray's in this group to go along with the receiving backs like James White and Tariq Cohn. when you just look at 31 through 35 what's your big takeaways
1: Yeah, this is like a ceiling floor situation. You know, Hunt has top five upside if Nick Chubb were to get hurt uh, or if they decided that Hunt was going to be the starter there. Uh, Damian Williams has top five upside if he could play a full season and be the bell cow for for Kansas City. We've seen him do it uh, in stretches over the last two seasons. Uh, Latavius Murray is top ten upside in, in New Orleans if something happens to Elvin Kamara. So definitely a wide range of outcomes for these players. They also will have... Week to week rolls. Uh, so, those guys are pretty valuable in those middle rounds if you can get a guy who's going to give you 8 to 12 points, uh, even if the starter stays healthy and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, there's an injury and he's getting 18 to 22 touches and, and is scoring RB1 points for you. Uh, those guys are extra valuable when you're in a, this range. Uh, compare that to James White, Tariq Cohen, who are, you know, high floor guys that are going to get you three to four catches a game, but probably aren't going to. Um, get the carries or get the total number of touches required to give you you know RB1 points on a consistent basis, even if there's an injury ahead of them. All right, in the 36-40 to 40 group, we've got Matt
0: Breda, Antonio Gibson, J.K. Dobbins, who we would mentioned earlier in the podcast, Jordan Howard, and then Ronald Jones. We discussed Gibson last week. I know you like him a lot in your drafts. What do you make of the Miami backfield with Breda and then Howard?
1: Well, they went out and signed uh, – howard uh, in, in free agency i think it was free agent i don't think they traded for him. i think it was a sign assigning but um they they went out and got him immediately if i remember correctly so there's like some intent there and then they traded for breda uh after the draft or during the draft so this looks like a one-two type backfield howard has almost no ability uh, or has shown almost no ability to catch the ball. Uh, even there were reports that he was working on his pass catching in Chicago, and he, he ended up not catching many more passes that year. It's always reports of these guys, you know, working on their hands. Um, he's been basically a first two, you know, first second down grinder um, throughout his career. So I think that'll continue. And I think Bradas, you know, as long as he's healthy, he's actually got even more talent than Howard in terms of explosion, and he's a really good receiving back. So I think that's the, the roles you'll see there for those two and uh so in Breda I might you know pick him over over Howard in PPR formats or even half PPR formats because he's got some really good catch upside uh Howard probably this offense is better than it was you know he has eight to ten touchdown upside because he's very likely going to be the the goal line back for the for the Dolphins and you're right Jordan Howard
0: did sign a deal it wasn't a trade it was free agency the, yeah, that's what there, there are some interesting names in the forty-one to fifty range. You got Philip Lindsay, Anthony McFarland, who we discussed earlier, Tevin Coleman, Joshua Kelly, Darius Geis. You're fourteen spots low on Darius Geis, Chris Thompson, forty-two spots high on him, and then Rex Burke, Burkhead and Jamal Williams. Uh, specifically with Geis and Thompson, why are you lower on Geis and higher on Thompson when you look at Fantasy Pros rankings?
1: Well. W- this is a, the guy's situation is just Antonio Gibson. We talked a little bit about it last week. Uh, Ron Rivera in it, head coach uh, for, for Washington. They, they draft Gibson um, in his first draft. Uh, he immediately uh, compares him, his skill set, to Christian McCaffrey's. Uh, Ron Rivera coached Christian McCaffrey in Carolina, so you can kind of see where I'm going with this. Uh, Geis has some talent. Uh, he, he, I mean, I remember him running against, uh, he had a long run against the Packers. Um, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, you know, they will have, if, if guys can stay healthy, then they'll have a pretty talented, uh, backfield there with Geis and Gibson and, uh, uh, Adrian Peterson, who's one of the greatest of all time and can still grind out yards. Um, so I just don't believe in Geis's health really. Uh, so I think they, they drafted Gibson hoping to get him on the field immediately. And I think he's good enough to, to kind of take over that McCaffrey role. Uh, in that offense. Um, so that's why I'm, that's why I'm low on Geis and, and high on Gibson. And then Chris Thompson, I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, reunited with Jay Gruden and in, in Jacksonville. And I think he's going to be there and be that, uh, that third down back for, him, for them. And he's another guy who cannot really stay healthy. Um, but, If he does, if he plays 14, 15 games, he's a threat for 70, 80 catches, and that has value at this point in the draft.
0: All right, let's wrap it up with this. Who is the best chance outside of the top 50 to finish in the top 20?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say uh, looking at the rankings, I like – well, Duke Johnson, I've always been a fan of him, although Bill O'Brien doesn't seem to be. Uh, Johnson has a chance – to really explode if David Johnson gets injured, which is not uh, out of the realm of possibility. Alexander Madison looked good last year. Um, Dalvin Cook, also not the most durable history. Uh, If he were to go down, Madison has, you know, top 12 type upside. Uh, Marlon Mack, uh, he will probably, you know, kind of carry Jonathan Taylor's uh, golf bag for, the first part of the season, but if there's an injury there, he's fully capable, as we've seen, of posting, you know, top 15 numbers there. And then, uh, you know, Ezekiel Elliott has been very durable, but if he were anything were to happen to him, Tony Pollard would be a huge uh, cog in that op- offense, and he's got dual threat ability and everything and, and looked pretty good last year as well. So he's... He's one of those uh, attrition plays when you're picking a guy that um, on a chance of an injury behind playing behind a guy who hasn't been injured very much, whereas somebody like Duke Johnson is playing behind a guy who's been injured. Just the question is, um, if, da- if David Johnson does go down and Duke Johnson ends up as the lead back there, will they actually give him lead back touches or will they sign somebody off the street and you know split work like they did with uh, Carlos Hyde last year? So that's a big question with, with that.
0: John, great stuff as always. You can follow John on Twitter at four for four underscore john you can follow me at anthony stalter we're doing podcast fairly weekly now i mean there might be a week or two that we missed but we're doing consistent podcasts now we're looking at john's rankings we'll have another podcast for you next week excited to bring that for you don't forget Remember, subscribe to 4 for 4 by May 31st, and you'll automatically be entered to win an autographed Amari Cooper jersey. We'll tell you about that, or actually, we won't, because now it's May, what, 27th, like I mentioned earlier? It's only May 30th. It's it, May 31st is when you'll need to subscribe to 4 for 4 so that you'll automatically be entered to win an autographed Amari Cooper jersey. John, I almost said, it. yeah, we'll talk about it next week, but we won't. Get down it now. If you want to subscribe to 444, 4, now's the time. Early bird pricing is out. So, again, get on it. We will see you next week for John Paulson. I'm Anthony Stalter. Till next time, 4, for Four is the most accurate podcast. Break my phone. Break my phone.